Jimmy's like, nah, nah. You got issues, take it with Jimmy. If you want to have something like that, but that, that's good. But congratulations to the dads. And I, I thought it was actually quite interesting today, seeing it was a Father's Day message, to be able to share with you what I call the Father's woes. I, I think I've been bitten by Pastor John's penchant for acronyms now. So the Father's woes. Now, I find what I find interesting is how over time, the view of our parents, uh, specifically our dads, change. The views of our parents change over time. When you see this, if you're a parent of young children, even now, I remember when I was a youngster, my dad was my hero. My dad could do no wrong. My dad was the strongest dad and could beat up your dad. My dad, I saw my dad one time attack a car with a belt because the guy gave him the finger when he was waiting for a parking. The guy gave him the finger. My dad got out of the car, took him, he just, he was, and they said, that is disrespectful, and started beating this car with his belt while the car drove off. And he cuts and goes, that was rude. I remember that. I was very young there, but I was like, wow, I remember my dad being that. And what I find interesting is that as you get older, that view of your dad changes, doesn't it? You start to realize your dad isn't as perfect as you thought he was, that he isn't as strong as you believed him to be, that there were promises that were broken, that there were failures that might have been experienced, and you start to actually pick apart, and I find it interesting, specifically in the West, well, especially in the West, how there is this, this desire almost to tear down fathers when you get to your teen years, isn't it? I mean, surely you finally realize that your dad is not perfect. That's, that goes without saying. But I, I, I think in Western society, what happens is that in our effort to discover our own identity separate from our family, we tear everything good apart about our family. And so we tear our dad apart. My dad's mean. My dad's cruel. My dad's never around. My dad never provides. My dad doesn't do this. My dad doesn't do that. And we start picking at everything that our dads and our mothers do wrong all in the effort so we can prove ourselves to be independent and, un, and seeing our parents as unnecessary in our lives. Now that I'm an old man myself, and I'm a parent myself, as, now that I'm a, a, a mature man myself, so, so, forgive me, forgive me, brother. I automatically looked at, at, at Brother Michael, and it was, then I looked over at Uncle Eugene, he's like, what? Sorry, brother, I'm not as vigorous and as, as yourself. My apologies, Uncle Eugene. But now that, I'm, now, now, now that I've grown up and I'm a parent myself, I, I look back and I realize all the good that my parents have done for me. I am so thankful that God had blessed me with the parents that I have. I see the things that they sacrificed. I see the hard work that they had given. And you come to appreciate what they have done. And you have, in hindsight, an understanding of what they had gone through for you. That they had laid aside various things. Now, once again, in my context, you might have experienced a different context yourself. Your dad may not have been around. You might have had a bad relationship with your dad. I'm not trying to lump everybody in in some big universal thing. But in my experience, this is what I have discovered. Now, what's interesting is that for us as people, we then attribute our heavenly father with the qualities we learn from our earthly father. And that is very dangerous. If our father had been unfaithful, our God is never unfaithful. 
If our Father had broken promises, our Heavenly Father has never broken a promise. If our Father was never around, our Father would never leave us nor forsake us. And so I thought today, for Father's Day, a very short word today, when I speak about a father's woes, woe stands for a word of something. And I have three woes I want to share with you this morning that will prayerfully be a blessing for you as dads, but not just as dads, as, as children of our Most High God, and see these qualities exemplified by our Heavenly Father to us every moment of every day. So I'm going to pray, and then we will look into the Word. We're going to be going across a few different scriptures today, and, and prayerfully God will minister to your heart as we celebrate not only our Heavenly Father, but our earthly fathers our God has bestowed us with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that even when we get to celebrate our earthly fathers, we acknowledge you as our ultimate Father, our Father who is always there, our Father who is always involved, our Father who is always listening. Our Father who knows every hair upon our head, knows everything about us, both the good and bad, and loves us unconditionally. Father, I pray today as we look at your word, you might encourage us as dads, encourage us as your children, encourage us as followers of Jesus Christ in our relationship with you. And Father, that we might just fall more in love with you for who you are and what you have done for us. Please guide my heart now as I share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So. It's been a very busy week for me, so I only have four slides for you, and the, the three slides after this are the titles of each woe. Woe number one is a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement. A word to bless, a word to comfort, a word to enable dads in the fight for the protection of your marriage and for the souls of your children. You, you have been blessed with the privilege, and I think this is really interesting that for dads we need to start off with, you have been blessed with a God-appointed authority as the head of the home. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. If you have any position of leadership within your job or within school or whatever it might be, what that then means is that the authority that appointed you has given you their backing in the decisions that you make. So then for you as a dad, as the head of the home, has been appointed the authority within your home to care for, to protect, to guide your wife and your children. You have souls within your household that you are responsible for. You need to let that sink in. You have souls within your household, souls for whom Christ died, souls for whom Christ shed his blood. Souls for whom Christ, when he was on the cross, sacrificed and gave everything himself for those souls within your home. And he's given you the authority to care for them, to look after them, and to direct them to himself. Where else, where else can you have a captive audience wherein you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ every moment of every day within your home? D.L. Moody, he, he, I remember the book Secret Power, and I've shared this quote, I think maybe about eight or nine years ago, 
But he actually said this regarding the home. And he said, as a father, as a dad, you will give account for the souls in your home first before you give account for the souls outside of the home. You will give account for the souls. Why? Because the family was instituted before the church. Therefore, you must give account for those souls within your home. The order that God has appointed and established by God is reflected by the order instituted by God himself before creation. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says this. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. There's an order. There's an order of authority. There is an order of leadership. Now, this is not taking away from a woman's role or a woman's value or a woman's worth. This is merely God's appointed order that he has set in place reflected in his relationship with his son and his son's relationship with the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through to 23 says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to read that again because often people overlook that very important fact. It says, submit to one another, meaning wives to husbands, husbands to wives. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands, to your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is Savior. Now, they are very controversial statements in today's society, but it is a necessary truth to understand. If authority has been bestowed by the king, then it is of vital importance that such authority is exercised in accordance with the king's wishes. If you have a car, you follow the car's manual in regards to care and maintenance of the car. If you are in a particular job, you follow the requirements that are established by the, or the, the boss of that job. If you are in school, you follow the, the authority that's been given or the rules and stuff within the school. You submit to those things. We are given an order within the family established by God himself that the man is the head. Dads, that is your role. That does not take away from the woman at all. That does not diminish their role, that does not diminish their value, that does not diminish their worth. But as one who is head, and we'll look at this a little bit later on, we follow the example that's been given for us in the person of Jesus Christ, who submitted himself to God the Father. Yet Jesus Christ himself was not less than, less valuable, or less worthy. His role in the salvation of mankind was in submission to God the Father and his ultimate design. But if you have such knowledge of the blessing that's been given to you, you have been blessed with authority as dads, blessed with authority. And because you are blessed with authority, we are also blessed with a word of comfort. And I really like this. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, you thought, I'm going to be so, and in so much trouble only to have your boss or someone in authority higher than you have your back. Have you ever experienced that? Somebody to step in and say, it's okay, I've got this. 
Well, we are told in the Scriptures, because we have been given such authority, we are also comforted with this knowledge that, in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's not just being as a dad, that as a Christian in general, as a child of the Most High God, the authority of God himself that has our back. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we have that. And because of that, in Romans 8.37, what we are comforted with is, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we are blessed with the knowledge of having a God-appointed authority, We are comforted. We are comforted with the fact that God has our backs and we are also enabled, enabled of being comforted in the knowledge that God is on our side and enabled by God to fulfill the call of God in our lives. As a parent, which would be to protect, to provide. As as a Christian, as a representative of the gospel, as a mum to care for your children and to care for your husband, to look after your neighbours, as somebody who shines as a light for those around us, we have been enabled to fulfil that call in our lives because the Spirit of God dwells within us. Uh, Trevor McElwain, who is a very godly man, he actually shared, and he said this, God will never call you into a ministry without equipping you for that ministry. He will never call you into a ministry without first equipping you for that ministry. And I think that's actually a really valid, valid point, a very important point to understand. And we read this, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, and the King James said this. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what enables us to be the dads we are called to be. That's what enables us, enable us to be the mums we are called to be, or the husbands or the wives we are called to be, or even the children we are called to be, the place where we work. We, that our wisdom should not stand, in, sorry, that our power, or our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In Philippians 4.13, which we all know, I can do all these things, or all this through him who gives me strength. This is the word of encouragement for us. This is an encouraging word. I I pray that it's encouraging for you as well because the encouragement you and I can draw from this as Christians, as children, as mums and dads is the blessing, comfort, and enablement that has been granted to us by our Heavenly Father. We can take confidence in the example that He sets for us as well. I've always been impressed by people who... Who are, when they ask me to do something, they've done it themselves. I've, I've always been impressed with people who have done this. When someone sits there and says, Joe, I want you to sacrifice this, and they've sacrificed it themselves, I have no issue. Joe, I want you to clean the toilet. I've seen people clean toilets. I have no issue doing that as well. The example that is set by others for me when they ask me to do things, fine. God has never asked of us that which he is not willing to do himself or has not already done himself. And you read through the scriptures continually about the things that God has done for us, to us, and over us within the scriptures. But the example that he sets, if you want to know what our Heavenly Father does and how has our Heavenly Father, he's exercised these qualities of fatherhood. I I love these. I've got four examples. For example, whether it be the openness to be approached 
and dialogued and not so much questioned, I guess you could say questioned, but there was the openness that Abraham had to go to God in Genesis 18 and bargain, as it were, for want of a better word, for the sparing of, of Sodom for his nephew Lot. If you find 50 righteous men, surely you'd spare it. Look, if you find 50 righteous men, I'll let the city survive. What about 40? You find 40 a year. What about 30? And it goes on and on. The openness to be able to dialogue and discuss like that. If my God can be like that to open, he who has every right to do as he chooses as a sovereign creator has given Abraham the opportunity to voice his opinions and talk and dialogue with him. How great a God is that? And this is the example I'm supposed to have as a dad. To, hear, to have an avenue by which my children can come to me and talk with me openly and honestly without fear of condemnation, without fear of judgment, but open to hear truth. And I think even for us as Christians, this is a valuable trait. And, and I've tried to encourage you as, as, as brothers and sisters at Grace Christian Church, and I know for us as a leadership, we want to be able to sort of reiterate if there's something going on, if there's an issue, if there's an issue with me, if there's an issue with something or, or something's happened, please come and talk to us. I would love, I would love for you if, if, if you hear something or if something didn't sound quite right, that you would have the freedom to come to me and say, Joe, I didn't like this. I don't agree with that. Joe, and, and give you that openness to, to come and talk to me. I have no problem with that. But like I do with my children, please be open to hear the truth or to hear where I'm coming from. It's not a, it's not a place we can just sit there and go, I'm here to complain, Joe. What do you do about it? Nothing. I just want to complain. Okay, we, we want to be able to build those relationships, have that openness to be able to do such things. Does that make sense? If we, if we define ourselves as being the family of God, then one of the things about family is what? The, in a functioning family is that of openness, that of dialogue, that of discussion for the benefit of the other person. Okay? And this is what we are called for. So in Genesis 18, I, I love that example. There's the chasing of a stubborn child, like what God did for Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, when he takes off and God chased him down. God chased him down. That's amazing. That the creator of the universe who called someone to do something and he took off and says, nah, you're not getting away with that. Now, this is the exhortation for for dads, I think sometimes we allow our kids too much free reign. I think as parents, we allow our kids too much free reign and to their detriment. Maybe sometimes we need to pull things back a bit just to help them, to direct them, to guide them, and to allow them to grow and to mature in a way that's beneficial for them. As opposed, I mean, you don't have to, and I remember saying this, you don't have to go out there and do stupid things so you can appreciate the goodness that you have in your house. You don't. You don't have to get, you don't have to get drunk. You don't have to do that to know that drunkenness can be a stupid thing. You don't have to try drugs to know that drugs are bad. You don't have to kill someone to know you shouldn't do it. 
You don't have to make the mistakes. I mean, a wise person does learn for their mistake, from their mistakes. A wiser person learns from the mistakes of others. And that's what we've been given. So, that's what we, so I, I love how our God chases Jonah down. And then the grace that God shows the city of Nineveh in Jonah chapter 4. When Jonah is waiting for the destruction to fall upon Nineveh and it doesn't happen because they repented. The grace of a God that does such things. And you, you read all through the scriptures, you see things like this. You have the passing of judgment on Israel because of their neglect of those in need. And you read that in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 1. The reason why judgment fell is because they didn't look after the people. Now, not only as dads, but as children of God, these are qualities that we are called to have. The openness, like with Abraham. The chasing down of those that have walked away or you see walking away to be able to come alongside them, to, to lead them back, like with Jonah. The grace to show people who have made mistakes and not use such things to condemn them afterwards. The, the, the passing of judgment because we're not caring for the others the way God had intended us to care for each other. That's not just a family and the role of a dad to, a, to, to sort of implement within the home. This is the role of the church family and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves to each other. But this is our word of encouragement to chase our kids down in prayer, to chase our kids down in love, to, to pass judgment for the for the for the benefit of them to guide, to mature, to disciple. These qualities we are called to, to demonstrate and we are encouraged to demonstrate because these are the qualities that have been demonstrated to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one that chased us down. He is the one that passed judgment. He is the one that provided an avenue by which we can communicate not only with God the Father, but with God himself. With God. He has instituted all these things for us. And I think that's a quality that I think would do us well as dads. I think it was a quality that would do us well as members of this church, as followers of Jesus Christ. The ability to speak the right word at the right time, the ability to refrain from speaking when it's appropriate. The ability to put an arm around the brother or sister when it's needed, and the ability to hold someone accountable for the wrong choice that they've made. This, this is the word of encouragement given to us in the scriptures, not only as dads, but as, as, as the children of God. So that's the first thing. That's an important thing to hold on to because the state of what the world is today, there is the word of exhortation. Exhortation is about challenging. Uh, exhortation is about calling things out the way you see them, once again, for the benefit of them. Now, the portrayal of parents today, I don't know if you watch much TV or movies or whatever, but the portrayal of parents today is actually quite shocking, the way they portray parents. And the attack on dads is even worse. One only needs to watch TV or look at some movies, and look at some of the famous TV dads throughout history, and you see the regression of the authority, the value, the intellect of what parents are. For example, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson and Phil Dunphy. You guys know who Phil Dunphy is? Phil Dunphy is the dad from Modern Family. 
they're two doddering idiots that don't have any clue that really they, like they, they do some good stuff, but ultimately they're not the ones you go to. They're not the ones you go to. You look at them and you think, oh, well, they're, they're pretty foolish. Then you have dads that are really, really smart, really, really intelligent, yet use such intelligence for the things of evil. Walter White. You guys know who Walter White is? Yeah, yeah from Breaking Bad. Okay. Tony Soprano, who's the head of a mafia thing in, in The Sopranos. All right. So you've got these two guys who are just guys you wouldn't want to mess with because you'd most likely be killed. Okay. Then you've got on the other extreme, relatively normal dads that don't really have a handle on their own lives and yet are supposedly answer providers for everybody else's lives. Um, if you've ever seen Arrested Development, Michael Bluth is, uh, is that particular character. And if you watch Bob's Burgers, uh, Bob's, Bob's Burger, Bob Belcher is another one. These dads, these dads, so you've got from one extreme, we've got doddering idiots, the other extreme with people who sort of don't really care, the people in the middle that are evil. There is a phrase going around in society today called toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. And it views basically anybody that stands, what I see is, on biblical truth of what a man is supposed to be, is considered toxic. That a man that seeks to help a, a woman and say, can I open the door for you? You know, I can't open the door myself. Okay, once again is attacked as toxic. That a man goes to want to push a car for a lady is viewed as toxic. Because you're saying that a woman can't do things. It's absolutely ridiculous. Then you've got this wide range of da- dads, even in Disney films, which I think some of them are pretty good. There's some pretty good dads in some Disney films. Um, King Triton from The Little Mermaid. He is a dad that loves his daughter, wants to protect his daughter. Does she listen? No, because apparently she knows better. You look at the, uh, there's the, the sultan in Aladdin, who's, he's a bit of an idiot, but that's how, he, that's how, they, that's how he's portrayed. You have, you know, so you, you have um, the dad in Pocahontas, He's viewed as being too stern and too rigid, only looking out for the best for his daughter. Right now, you're probably thinking, you watch too much movies, Joe. But <laughs> the reality is this. I've seen, I've seen this continual trend within the media that dads are viewed in a very negative light. You watch, you watch television shows on Nickelodeon, on Cartoon Network, whatever. The parents have no idea what's going on in the world. The children are the ones with all the answers. That's what it goes. And now rights are being taken away from dads from having any say within their children's lives. Case in point, that if a girl wants to go get an abortion, which is what they're trying to do nowadays in New South Wales, if a girl wants to go get an abortion, she doesn't need, even though she's underage, she doesn't need her parental permission, uh, parental permission. She can just go and get it done. They've eliminated the role of the parents right then and there. That if a girl or a guy want to change their sex, and get treatment, they don't need parental permission. They can just go whenever they want, go to their counsellor, go to their teacher, and straight away the, children, uh, the parents are ruled out of the equation, right then and right there. And if a parent stands against it, they're called transphobic, they're called whatever they call them nowadays, but they're viewed as a villain because of their love for their children. This is the state of the world today. And this is why the word of exhortation is this, not only for us as dads, not only for us as parents, but for us as Christians, is that it is time for us to step up. 
it's time for us to step up and lead. Uh, like I said, fatherhood is under attack, more accurately, parenthood is under attack. And we hear in the news of children seeking to, to divorce themselves from their parents. That's actually what's happening. Boys are no longer boys because they can choose to be a girl if they feel like it, and vice versa. Girls are no longer girls. They can choose to be a boy if they feel like it. Now, I am told in the Scriptures that the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's what I am told. I am told within the Scriptures about the thief who comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I know for a fact, according to the Scriptures, that Satan stands against anything that God loves. He hates anything that God loves. If God so loved the world, if God so loves his bride that he was willing to die for her and, and lay his life down, if God so loves us, you know what that means in the biggest scheme of things? That Satan hates you. That's what that means. That means there is in society today a spirit, and I listened to one guy by the name of Michael Brown who said this. He said, a spirit of Jezebel that is going around attacking everything, especially manhood in today's society. Which means for you and I, especially as men, we need to step up to the plate as godly, righteous men. Men who will stand upon the values of the Word of God. Men that will stand, stand against the tide of things that are attacking everything that you stand for. Maybe we need to stand up. To stand up and show our children the love of God through example. Maybe it's time to stand up and be the godly men we are called to be. Maybe it's time for us to stand up and be men that fight this battle on our knees and have our children witness that. One friend of mine, Jason Perkins, his dad's name was Randy Perkins. He was a pastor down in the Southern Highlands. And Jason told me, he says, every day, I remember every day I would get up, I would go into the dining room about six o'clock in the morning and my dad would be there on his knees praying. I remember that distinctly. And he saw the example of his dad. Now what does Jason do? Jason is living up in Brisbane now. He pastors the church up there as he's continued in ministry. If the likes of the Wesley children, Susanna Wesley, who was the mother of, I believe, 19 children, 19 children, and John and Charles speak of her in such an amazing way where she would be a woman of prayer for her sons that they would make an impact for the kingdom. Absolutely amazing. Maybe it's time for us to stand up. Last night I was at a wedding, a wedding reception, and I was talking with a couple of, it was a brother and sister, uh, Hoyan and sister Holing. And it was, it was really quite interesting. And, and Hoyan said, I asked him, how do you like being a dad? And he goes, I really enjoy it. I have three children, seven, five, and three. And yeah, it's good. My life, my life hasn't changed that much. To which his sister said, why, oh, that's so unfair. Why is it that when, my, when I have children, my life changes, but a guy's life doesn't change? Why doesn't a dad's life change that much? Why isn't it affected as much? I said, so what do you do, bro? He goes, oh, yeah, I still go play tennis. I still go and do this. I still go and do that. And it just got me thinking. I didn't say it. I only just met them. I wasn't going to sort of condemn people from the get-go. I hope he doesn't ever listen to this. <laughs> but the reality is this. Maybe we should prioritize things within our home that when we have these souls that have been bestowed upon us within our home, 
that our primary concern is not only to raise them, but to raise them in a godly home, to raise them knowing Jesus, to raise them so that as they grow older, they in turn will live a life for the kingdom of God. Because us as men, here's the issue, us as men, maybe, maybe the next generation Maybe the next generation of people within the church aren't walking close to God because they don't see the people leading them living lives that are close to God. Maybe that's why. Maybe there are people in the next generation who don't really put a value on being at church on time because maybe we as leaders are not at church on time. Maybe we, our children, our next generation that, that, that don't value the joys of reaching out and utilizing the gifts that you have to reach out for the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe they don't see that very valuable because the leaders that are leading them aren't seeing that as valuable. Maybe, just maybe. Maybe when the context has changed for us and our whole world changes, and once again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not jumping on anybody. I'm not telling anybody off. I want to, this is why it's a word of exhortation, okay? It's a challenge. It's the fact that, okay, let's say our context does change. And as opposed to retreating and saying, I can't do anything now because, interpret it and say, okay, because now my context has changed, what can I do for the kingdom of God now, utilizing this new context? Maybe we should start looking at things that way. And instead of seeing, and I'm so thankful for my wife, I'm so thankful for my children, we've been in ministry for a number of years, and our children have always been a part of our ministry where we've been able to reach out to kids. We were involved with kids from broken homes and then they saw, they saw our kids interact with us and I remember distinctly one little girl who said, your parents love you, don't they? To my son when he was like four or five years old. And you know why they could say that? Because they could see their, my kids with us. See, see that? It, it, that maybe. I'm just saying, maybe. Perhaps we as men maybe to start leading the way we're supposed to be leading as opposed to being led by the needs and the circumstances around us. Maybe. And this is why we have this exhortation upon us. And, and, and that's just not for dads. That's for mums. That's for children. That's for singles. That's for individuals, no matter where you are, no matter what the context, no matter where you work. We, we need to start looking at things from a, a, a godly perspective, a, 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 an eternal perspective, a, a heavenly perspective, to look at things and say, okay then, how can this affect the kingdom? How can this be utilized instead of a burden and a hindrance? How can this hindrance be a blessing for the kingdom? Maybe, maybe. But once again, this is, we're all different. We're all in different contexts. And so we need to seek the wisdom of God and say, Lord, okay, you've called me to do this. Okay, how, how do we do it? How do I do it? How do I do it? But that's the word of exhortation. That's, that's our Father's woe to us. Father's woe to us. I exhort you. But we are blessed with the final woe, which is a word of edification. The word of edification. If you got your Bibles, turn to Acts 1.8. Turn to Acts 1.8. We all know this verse, and I love this verse. We all know this verse, and we have heard it over and over and over again. But once again, looking at the context of the family, okay? And in verse 8, we read this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, taking the the first two woes as well, the encouragement, the exhortation, and now the edification, and I've made reference to this before, perhaps, perhaps, there's a lot of maybes and perhapses in today's sermon, I apologize for that. But the idea is each of you in your context is like, okay, well, perhaps I could do this in my context. Maybe I can do this in my context. Uh, But the reality is this. If we have been given the power of the Spirit in order to witness in Jerusalem, which is where? Which is your home. Your home is your Jerusalem to witness to your children, to witness for your wife, to witness for your husband. You, you would be empowered. We talk about often how I feel dry, I don't feel, I don't feel invigorated, I don't feel excited or anything else. Well, then maybe you could just start being a witness in your home. Be a witness of the reality of Jesus Christ to those that are right next to you. That your wife would experience genuine love as Christ loved the church. And see the reality of that love and what you're willing to give up for her because of your love for God. Maybe that as a wife, you would submit to your husband in a way to witness the greatness of God to him in that submission, demonstrating a humility and a submission to God that would not only bless your husband and encourage him. And, and, and look, okay, here my kids. I don't want to sound sexist or nothing, but... I, I love when my wife respects me, and it makes me feel good. Now, I'm not saying that she's there to massage my ego or anything like that, okay? I'm, I'm not saying that. But the way guys are wired, the way guys are wired, when you're acknowledged, when, when, when your wife says something, wow, that was really cool. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you don't say it, but it, it, it blesses. It blesses your husband. It blesses your husband. And and you're not doing it to make him feel good. You're doing it because you've submitted to him because you've submitted to your heavenly father. And then maybe for your children, maybe, once again, maybe for your children, we are told not, especially dads, don't frustrate your kids. Don't exasperate them. You know what exasperates kids? Not keeping your word. That exasperates kids. You know what exasperates kids? Being vague in your instructions so they don't know what you're talking about. You know what exasperates kids? Lectures. I'm good at lectures. This is almost a lecture. It just goes on and on and on and on all the time. But maybe, you know, maybe rather, rather to identify the love and the grace and compassion that's been demonstrated to you in the person of Jesus Christ to show that to your children. Something, once again, and I, I, I praise God for my wife and the wisdom that she has. I remember she said to me years ago, don't lose your cool over stupid things. Because if you lose your cool over stupid things with the kids, they will never come to talk to you about serious things. They will never do that. Look at the love that our Father has for us when we go to Him over the dumbest of things. Oh, Lord, I've got a sore ankle. You know what He does? He listens. We go to him over serious things. He listens. But I've always remembered that from my wife because now, because I used to lose my cool over everything with my children, 
And then now the kids come to me over things. The kids open up about things. Why? Because they know I care over the small things and over the big things. And that I have the wisdom, godly wisdom, praise God, the godly wisdom to, if it's not worth it, don't worry about it. And if it's serious, let's work at it together. See, we have been given an edification and the Spirit of God to be able to fulfill that call. That's what is laid before us as dads, as mums, and as children. These are the woes that are us before us. And once again, these are words for us in the context within which we find ourselves. So, as you look in the Scriptures, as you look at the role that has been placed on your life, whether it's a grandparent, whether it's a parent, whether it's a child, whether it's a single, whether it's a student, whether it's somebody that's employed then the woes that we hear today are woes that apply to each and every one of us. That we have words of encouragement bestowed upon us. Words to bless, words to comfort, words to enable. But such encouragement, there's also the challenge. The challenge to be what God has called us to be. The challenge to step up and stand upon the promises of God's word. The the challenge to shine as a light for the kingdom of God. And the blessing of having such a challenge is that he doesn't leave us to our own devices to figure it out. No, he, by his spirit, enables us not only read the word, but live the word. To not only read the word, but be convicted by the word. To not only read the word, but be renewed by the word, transformed by the word. That's the edification that is given to us every moment of every day. So, maybe, perhaps, after today, we walk away with these words of encouragement, words of exhortation, and words of edification, and through the power of God and obedience to His Word, perhaps, let's do something about it. I'd just like to invite the music team up, and then I will pray. Okay? Thank you very much. Would you stand with us as we uh, as we sing? In the passion of our Savior. The passion of our Savior. The mercy of our God. cross that leaves no question of a measure of his love. 
Thank you, Jesus. Our chains are gone. Our debt is paid. The cross has overthrown the grave. For Jesus' blood that sets us free means death to death and a life for me. The innocent judge guilty While the guilty one walks free Death would be his portion And our portion liberty Our chains are gone Our debt is paid The cross has overthrown the grave For Jesus' blood that sets us free Means death to death and a life for me Means death to death and a life for me. We surrender everything to you, Jesus. I give my whole life to honor this love. By the Lamb who was slain, I'm forgiven. The sinner's Savior, crown him forever. For the Lamb who was slain, He is risen. I give my whole life to honor this love. By the Lamb who was slain, I'm forgiven. The sinner's Savior, crown Him forever. For the Lamb who was slain, He is risen. I'm forgiven, the sinner's Savior, crown him forever. For the Lamb who was slain, he is risen. Our chains are gone, our debt is paid, the cross has overthrown jesus blood that sets us free means death to death and life for me means death to death and life for me heavenly father we thank you for the life that you have given us in jesus christ we thank you for the words of encouragement the words of exhortation and the words of edification. We thank you that you have not left us to our own devices, but your spirit who resides within us is continually shaping and molding us to be more like your son, Jesus. Help us to submit to your will, to your word, and to your heart. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. 
To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters. We would love to pray for you as the prayer team comes forward.